Welcome. You are listening to a sermon from Christ Chapel Barry. Listen and be blessed. Jehovah Adonai was suffering God. Jehovah Elohika thy God. Jehovah Rohika wa healer. Jehovah Hosein wa maker. Jehovah El Elyon, the Lord Most High. Jehovah Sabbath, Lord God of hosts. Jehovah Mecca, this can be Lord that sanctified. My Father in heaven, you alone are the Most High God. You are the compassionate God. You are the ever-loving God. You are the long-suffering God. You are the master builder. You are the everlasting God. You are the living God. You are the eternal God. You are the great redeemer. You are the Lord God, omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent God, present everywhere, omniscient God, the all-knowing God. You are the God of all comfort. You are the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are the God of truth. You are the God of restoration. You are the mighty man in power. You are bigger than the biggest. You are stronger than the strongest. You are wiser than the wisest. Daddy, we have come before you this morning. Your children are celebrating Youth Day. But these children we call youth are the elders of tomorrow. Father, we call upon you this morning only by your mercy and your grace that we will not lose any of these children. Amen. Daddy, you promised us in the book of Jeremiah 29, 11. You said my thoughts for you are of good and not of evil. And I will give you an expected end. But if we wonder if that is possible, but you told us in Luke 137 that with you everything is possible. And these children we are worshiping, we are starting praying with today, they will be bigger than us in Jesus' name. The lives of these you will be better than ours in Jesus' name. And the things that we have seen in this country, our children will not see it in Jesus' name. They will always be forward, they will never be backward. Among these youth we are celebrating today, my Father in heaven, we will count doctors, we will count engineers, we will count accountants, we will count politicians, and we will not lose any of them. We will not, we will not know the burial ground of our children. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, my Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. It is very important that we know where our children are. Yes, as Pastor said, I too came from Nigeria just about 52 years ago. And when we came here, there was no human rights. If they hate you because of your pigmentation, it's too bad. As a matter of fact, the chairs you are sitting on right now was the first job I got in November of 1972. And the minimum wage then was $1.80 an hour. But we can complain. Who are you going to complain to? I remember clearly walking beside a friend of mine whose name is John. He's Portuguese. And when each time we do overtime, they will pay him overtime, but I'm not qualified for overtime because I am black. But we stood with it. What am I going to do? Go back to Nigeria? I don't think so. We stood with it because of the youth that we are celebrating today. Is anyone among you know the minimum wage now? $16. So you see, when I say that their life will be better than ours, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. I used to be a member of Canadian Armed Forces. When I left the armed forces, I joined Toronto Police. As, as they told me, as the first African to ever join the Toronto Police. And why, once you are in the system, you get to know how it works. When I retired after, I spent 35 years on the streets of Toronto. 
enforcing the law, carrying the gun. But at some point in my life, I realized that unless, unless we tra train our kids, you certainly don't want them in the system. Once they are in the system, there is no turning back. You are told that the criminal code did say that you can discipline your kid. Oh, yeah, it's in there. It's called corporate discipline. But the law has been played around with so much that if you discipline your kid, corporate discipline, they can turn it into abuse. So you are not allowed to discipline your kid. But when that kid does something wrong and we arrest that kid, then we have to call you to say, Mom, your dad, or dad your son has been arrested. And you well, but you don't want me to discipline my kid. What do you want me to do? But that's always a way. I'm going to bring you into the book of Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes onto the hills from where cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. This is strictly for the youth. And what that is saying to me is that I want you to note that very carefully. I will lift up my eyes onto the hills from where cometh my help. What is that got to do with you? If you go out looking for a job and the first door you go to, they didn't give you a job. Please, I beg of you. Never ever, ever think it's because you are black. I will lift up my eyes onto the hills from where come my help. And you know that the father you serve, when he opens a door, <laughs> Pastor, I'm saying when the almighty God opens a door, if you don't get that job, it's because he wants something better for you. In 1978, I, when I finished school, I went to the OPP because OPP is all I ever wanted to join. I don't know why. I walked into the office and the man says, yes, what can I do for you? I says, I'm looking for a job as a police officer. He says, I can't even hear what you're saying. Your accent is so bad. Sorry, we, we don't need that. So I left. I was not bitter. Then I went to Metropolitan Toronto Police. And they did hire me then, 1979. The irony of it, though, is that about 10 years later, <laughs> the same OPP now invite me to come and speak to the officers on community-based policing. <laughs> if you have ever seen any man alive who is blessed, I don't know about you, but I say it's me. If you are just patient and you have God fighting for you, you should just hold your peace. There was a day that I was blessed. I believe your pastor is one of those that were making decisions then. That was the very first time that Daddy Gio was coming to Canada. And they called me. They said, please, we want to give Baba security. And I said, okay. So I did. And what happened through then is we now became very good friends. So about the fourth time the daddy will come here now, <coughs> we were sitting in his hotel. Myself, his wife, and uh, uh, Pastor Fidel. And daddy accused me. He says, I've been here four times. And you have never made any attempt to, con to come and visit me in Nigeria. And I said, well, sir, because of certain things, see, the Bible says your worst enemies are the one closest to you. <laughs> and unfortunately, that happens in my family. So at one time, I promised I would never go to Nigeria again. And daddy said, well, everything you told me, I sympathize with it. But we want you to come. And you don't know about a place called Redeem Camp. But if you come, if you don't want to see any family, you wouldn't. 
So my wife and I, on his advice, we went in 2008. And pastor, I know you're eating pounded yam many times. But trust me, the one that Mommy Gio makes is better than anyone. <laughs> now that woman can cook. My goodness. She told me, she says, well, you see all this food here, we didn't buy any of them. It was made in the camp there. And if my chief was to give me uh, a position of a staff superintendent over Mommy Gio's food, I would say to you, can keep his staff superintendent. <laughs> The only fight we had when we were leaving was Daddy thought that I was going to spend three weeks with them. And I said, no, I can't stay in Nigeria that long. Wherever your breakthrough is, you will not miss it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm looking at the book of Romans 13. Romans 13, 1 to 6. Let everyone, every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except the one that's from God. I'm reading from Romans 13, 1 to 6. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever receives the authorities receives what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you like to have no fear of the one who's in authority? Then do what is good. For he is a servant of God. And in fact, he went on to say, be afraid if you do something wrong. For he does not bear the sword in vain. So what does that mean to me? The gun that I carry every day, God actually put it there. But you see, it is a bastard that doesn't know what to do. But a child that was born in the real house, you don't have to worry about me carrying a gun because you know the right thing to do. Every time I go to Don Jail or East Dissension Center, I see so many of our youth in jail and it breaks my heart. And one of the main reasons why they go to jail, sir, please. Please. Look at this fine young future doctor. Doesn't he look good enough to be the one that will find cancer cure? Yeah. Oh, yes. Son, just say amen. Yeah. This young man, I'm giving you a scenario now. He goes to school in the morning. After school, because mom and dad are not that wealthy, so he, do, he does part-time job. Nine o'clock, he's waiting for bus to go home. And two uniformed guys stopped him. What are you doing here? Can we see your, uh, your, we need your name, we need an ID and things like that. Well, criminal code clearly says he doesn't have to give the police anything. In fact, he can just walk away. Isn't that? However, you see, you have to redefine print. There was a time in this country that when we saw young people like this, we don't arrest them because we don't want them to have criminal records. We always find where they come from. We go home with them and tell their parents what they've done. But the lawyers, the law today is made by lawyers for lawyers. So the lawyer says, no, you don't have to tell the police your name and you don't have to give them ID. That is fine. Except... In that little criminal code, there's a little writing there that you may not see. And it says, unless they are, the police are investigating a crime that has occurred before. How does he know that? I'm told I don't have to give my name. Yeah, but if I am in that location, because I, uh, some robbery or whatever happened two days ago and we are still investigating, he better give me what I want or I'm going to arrest him. The moral of the story, please, mom, dad, don't go by what the criminal code says. It only favors lawyers. And I can tell you that when a young man is arrested by the police, by the time the case is over with, you will probably spend no less than $20,000. Okay? Just 
after your kid, when the police stops you, forget about what the criminal code says. Just cooperate with him. Tell him your name or give him an ID. It saves a lot of problems. One thing many of you may not know, in that same criminal code, my job as a police officer, you know something? I don't have to be right. The criminal code says everything I do is under suspicion. Reasonable doubts or reasonable grounds to believe. Reasonable grounds to believe that an offense has been committed. He hasn't committed any offense, but I believe on reasonable ground that he may be committing an offense. So what? I can stop him. But once he gives me his ID and I checked him out and the computer says 1060, which means it's clean, I have to let him go. And the fine line between, ah, sir, please, sir, please, sir. You notice that I'm always calling the most handsome. <laughs> you see, for daddy here to assault him, there has to be physical contact like that. That's an assault. But sir, for you to assault me when I'm in uniform, he doesn't have to touch me. Once he makes the gesture, I'm assaulted. That's how the criminal code is written. But now, when you now see me take him down hard, but he didn't touch him, you don't have to touch me. I am wearing a uniform that represents the Queen of England, now the king. God bless you, sir. Oh, by the way, sir, you really are handsome. I've given you two scenarios so far. We are only number three. Sir, please. Oh, by the way, let me say something to you. When I'm invited to minister, please don't fall asleep because you never know I might call you any minute. <laughs> please. See, when I say please, he was trying to hide his face. Are you going to hide from your police officer? <laughs> Ma'am, please come and join him. These are two wonderful, beautiful husband and wife. And what happened is, he forgets, he forgets that God gave women detailed brain. But he only gave men point form brain. I have known Pastor Fulani probably more than any of you here. But I can tell you today that he hasn't changed. If his mom goes on holiday with dad and they came back and he, when they call, mom called, it's always mom that called. Dad does, ah, it's okay, they'll call it. But his mom called. And Mama pick up the phone. You know Mama is going to tell her every detail of their holidays. Even when the, at the time they got to the customs, that the custom officer was rude, Mama is going to tell her. But let dad come home. Mom is going to try and tell him the same thing. The first thing she's going to say is, ah, your mom and dad are back from holiday. Oh, glory be to God. He's ready to leave. Oh, hold on. I haven't told you. What, what do you what do? <laughs> they are back. They are okay. We are conditioned. If I walk into a store and I want to buy this sweater, I go straight for the sweater. We were on holiday one time in Florida and my wife saw something she wanted to buy. Well, I think it was $7.99 or something like that. But she reminded me that yesterday, we were in St. Pete's, Florida, that in Orlando she saw the same thing. Orlando is one hour away. <laughs> it was one dollar difference. So I, I said, what? Well, I'll give you the one dollar. Oh, you have no sense at all. <laughs> if it's one dollar different, do you know how many things they have that's on sale? <laughs> you see, we just celebrated our 50 years anniversary. 
And I can tell you, I wasn't born stupid. I know what to do. When, if you argue with a woman, number one, you will lose. And if she sees that she's losing, she will cry. <laughs> and when she cries, you will feel bad. <laughs> so the best thing to do, just cave in. Mom, you are right. <laughs> but the odd times when you insist because of pride, one simple argument, and he make his fist and struck this beautiful woman, and we come. In the early 80s, the government gave police officers the right to mediate. If the injury is not that much, just a scratch, we can warn him and tell him what's going to happen. But if the injury is much, then we'll arrest him. But now, it doesn't, even if there's no injury at all, as soon as we come in and she said, oh, he slapped me, he's going to jail. So what I'm saying is something that is maybe that small, we now make it big. Now, when we arrest him, oh, by the way, let me tell you what arrest means. Many of us get kind of afraid when they talk of arrest. Arrest is just to stop the continuation of the offense. It doesn't mean that he's guilty or he's not guilty. I was not there. She said he hit me, I arrest him, just to stop him from continuing to beat her. But when we now take him to the station, he has to go through what's called show cause. He has to show the cause why we must release him, which means he has to bring a lawyer. So he calls his lawyer, and I can assure you, the retainer's fee for any domestic assault in Ontario today is a minimum of $1,800. Now, sir, can you imagine, you know I have said to you many times, God didn't give you this church just for fun. He wants to see a cathedral built. Amen. You see what I mean? But the one mistake you could make is to be wondering how is he going to do it. That's not your business. That's his business. But just imagine, if you say to this young man day before, ah, I need you to stand with me for $1,800 towards the building of the church. Ah, ah, Pastor, but when the lawyer asked for it, and by the time that case is settled in court, I guarantee you the minimum he will spend will be $25,000. Minimum. Then part of the conditions that we will give him is no longer allowed to go back to the house. He's no longer allowed to call her. He's no longer allowed to go within 500 meters of her. And if he wants to see his kids, a social worker must be present. Not only that, as soon as the judge says to him, you're not going to go to jail because it's first offense, but you're going to have to go through anger management. <laughs> now, guess what happened? As soon as you go through that anger management, when I checked him, he's just driving. And I pulled him over and I check him on the computer, violent. That's what the computer will tell me. So now you wonder sometimes when the police officer stops somebody and they're on the edge, it's because the computer told me that he's violent. I have to go home. I have a family. And now if I know that someone is violent, how do you think I'm going to deal with him? Be because the potential is there. But it's a man of God. It was just a mistake. But the computer doesn't say, oh, it's a man of God. Uh, he goes to Christ church. And he just, no, he just says he's violent. Please. I cannot come here to tell you what you have to do. But to plead with you. If your wife did something, please sit down and talk. But not too violent. And I, usually when I'm doing counseling for wedding before I married two people, you know, in all my days, I have never counseled a woman before. 
It may be because I love women, but I never believe that a woman can do anything wrong. It's always a man that does everything wrong. Uh, uh, sir? Oh, for a minute there, I thought you were going to disagree with me. <laughs> my, my ticket book is in my car. That's, that's, that's one thing I love about my job. Because, you see, my line of job, my customer is always wrong. <laughs> Please, sit down. I can tell you without any pride that since I married my wife on the 14th of September 1972, up to today, I have never said a bad word to her before. Because, you see, although I carry a gun, but I tell you, it doesn't mean a thing. If a woman really wants to kill you, she can play along with you. Is she not the one that's going to make your food? She can poison the food. And in this country, if a woman poisons her husband's food and he dies, what do you think? That once the lawyer starts, oh, she's been suffering emotional distress. <laughs> that will not be your portion in Jesus' name. Please. The other thing that goes with that is, Pastor, you remember, in a certain part of the Bible, in fact, God agrees with me. He's saying, you can come to this church 24-7 and stay in this church 24-7. As long as you beat your wife, don't pray because I won't hear the prayer. Uh, is that correct? So, do I want to risk my prayer being answered by God because I want to beat my wife? God bless you, sir. I know you are not a violent man. And no violent man wear white. So, you know. Thank you. The other problem I encountered as a police officer is... Ma'am? Yeah, please. I know you are trying to look the other way. <laughs> I wouldn't have called you if you were looking at me. <laughs> Pastor, I have to say I'm kind of jealous. I told you before that I, it's never in my portfolio to be a pastor of a church. Because I just don't have the patience. I cannot deal with the politics in the church. I am minding my own business preaching. And then somebody came down, I passed away, Emilia Defin preached La Roy. No, preach it's your mind, it's conviction. What I was going to say, Pastor, is that I've been calling all this. Man, is there any reason why you are grinning? <laughs> I think she knows what I'm about to say. I was just going to say, all the women in here, they look like angels from heaven. Oh. Now you know why my wife loves me so much. <laughs> this woman standing here, is as smart as any other woman in the world. So I have to ask her, why would you want to waste that intelligence and be collecting welfare? The definition of a welfare that you may not know. See, welfare is the money that we give you. We know that it's never going to be enough to make you somebody, but it's just enough to keep you from being somebody. As long as you want welfare, we know you are smart. But we also know that you are too stupid to know you are smart. Don't be a doctor. Just keep having babies. We'll give you welfare. Ah, mama, no, that will not be your portion. Amen. I just told you when we came to this country, $1.80 an hour, we took it. There was no welfare there for us. Why would any smart person become a baby mother when she can be a doctor? Why would she live in Ontario housing 
when she can live in a mansion. The Bible, when I read it, Mama, it says, God says, I'm not a respecter of persons. So if he can create Bill Gates, he can make her rich too. You hear what Mama just said? She said, you are going to be rich. But I'll tell you one little secret. I won't let her hear what I'm saying. Mama just wants you to be rich so that you'll be the only one that will build this church. <laughs> God bless you. Hmm. I think we are getting serious now. Blue bandana and red bandana. <sighs> we have kids that we call mouse. Mouse, like the mouse in the house. A mouse in the law is a child between the age of seven and 15. And drug dealers use them. They target them on the corridors of Ontario housing. See, what happened is, I'm sure you all heard about bullying. A kid being bullied at school. You see, I'm not saying you should do it, sir, because I already gave you qualification that you are one of the most handsome men in the world. But if you think, that this gorgeous woman is going to take the shoe that you bought at Walmart, forget it. You know she's expensive. She didn't go after you. You went after her. Amen. And she keeps saying, no, I know, I know. Eventually, she, you wore her out, and she said, okay, fine. I'll marry you. Now you're going to buy something from her from Walmart? No, Nike. <laughs> Abby? But you see, if you buy something for your kids at Walmart, it's okay. It's just that then kids at school start making fun of her. So the kids feel so bad, he doesn't want to go to school anymore. So he becomes a mouse. All he did is hanging around in the lobby of the Ontario housing, and the drug dealer knows exactly why. As soon as they see the way he dressed, but mom doesn't have time because mom is doing two jobs to keep the family going. And we've seen it so many times. This kid's falling through the cracks. He's either going to join this or he's going to join the blue. And the work of these people is to enslave kids. When we did, I used to be in a gang when I was in black organized crime of Toronto police. And to be in a gang means I have to pretend that I'm a gang member in order to know how they live. I was in there for quite a while. Thank God that I, I made it through. I'm sure many of you have heard about drive-by shooting. And then sometimes you wonder, how can it happen? This one here, the gang name is called the Bloods. That's their name. Red Bandana. How many times a kid come home, tell mom, oh, my friends are all wearing Red Bandana. I want to buy one. It's only one dollar dollar store. Just to make the kid happy, mom goes out and buy for him or give him money. Well, it's okay until he wonders into the creeps. This one's the core creeps. The blue one is the creeps. The red one is the blood. He wanders in there and they have this language they use. They said, This dog came to diss us, come to disrespect us. And trust me, I'm not joking now. They'll shoot a kid because of that. There are so many articles of clothing that these people believe is made exclusively for them. And if you are not in their group, 
you better not use it. You'll be surprised. These guys, the creeps, they believe in their deranged mind that Adidas shoes is only made for them. Nobody else will wear unless if you're unless you are in their in their in their camp. Adidas shoes. Remember, we are talking about drive-by shooting now. Another thing is another uh, made that's called Fubu. You want to wear Fubu? Uh, you better be in our gang. It's not right, but I'm, that's how their mind works. Another one they also use is K Swiss. You want to use K Swiss? You better be a member of this group. But that's exactly what your kids want. And I think the last one they use is British Knights. You buy British Knights shoes for your kid, and he's not a member of the Crips, he could be in danger. He could be killed. But not to worry. You just have to, I'm not telling you this to scare anybody, but remember what the Bible says? This Satan is roaming around looking for whom to devour. You know, when I get come across these kids, I cannot help myself but, but to blame the parents. Were you there for your kids? Between the age of 7 and 15, were you there? You do come to night vigil. You're here right now. Charity begins at home. If you are with your kids, gang will not come near him. Now, this one says their own brand. Nobody has better wear it. The first one is Reebok shoes. Reebok. They said in their deranged mind that Reebok is made for them only. And then they said the next one is Calvin Klein. We own Cal Calvin Klein. And then there's a name brand of clothes called Mecca. Don't wear anything that belongs to us. As long as you're there, when your kid's coming from school, call him if you can't be there. And if you can't be there, don't be too tired to go and pick up your kid. You see, in the gang trade, as soon as a kid is 16, he's called a senior citizen. They don't want him anymore because now he can be arrested by the police. But before then, please, my people must not die of lack of knowledge. God gave you those kids. Government will not look after them for you. You have to do it yourself. Now, you can't expect Pastor Folari, who seeks your kids on Sunday, to be the one that will look after your kids for you. You live with your kid 24-7. It's your ministry. Your children are your first ministry. And if you don't look after them, this church cannot look after them for you. Drugs. You notice that the government now says that uh, you can buy marijuana in a corner store. Well, the government can say that because it's their government. In fact, we challenged it when they said they were going to approve it. And they said, well, if we don't approve it, they'll get it anyways. But before they approve it, some of these kids know that if we found it on them, they'll be arrested. So that was like a scare tactics. But I don't know if any of you here has time to look at statistics. Out there now, there are more suicides than ever before in this life. Kids using drugs. Smoking and driving. Well, the government might say it's okay, you can buy it. But if your kids smoke it, or even you as an adult smoke it, because you have your right to do it. Well, if you smash your car up, the government will not be responsible to fix your car. You have to be responsible. The government insurance will not go up. It's your insurance that will go up. And God help you that you kill somebody while well, you're the one that's going to be responsible. Alcohol. There's been many times that I go to Blue Jays game or hockey as over time. And you know, we stand in the back. 
watching these guys walk, watching hockey or uh, basketball or whatever it is, you know, 80% of those guys that go there, they don't really go there to watch game. They just go there to buy beer, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it's so expensive. But government said it's okay. But as soon as they leave that arena, OPP is on the highway waiting for them, for drunk driver. <laughs> what a system. What a system. When I was just a lad, I went through a hard time because I was born into one of the poorest families in Nigeria. All I had was standard six. Thank God for Baba Olawo. You know how bad it is when friends come from school in the evening and they have this thing they call blazer. Remember the, yeah, and well, so I was a apprentice mechanic. Even, I, I, think, I, I can't tell you, I, I'm not sure which is most devastating for me. That I can't go to school, or because I'm not going to school, I have no girlfriend. Because you talk to her, I say, mechanic, I say, ah, I call her so I Is it my fault I didn't want to go? But when I came here, it was only by the grace of God. I know I was not qualified, but God just says, I will let you go. When I arrived here, <coughs> every day, I will carry a shovel when it's snowing, and I will go to every driveway. Can I help you, sir? Can I help you, ma'am? To clean the snow off the driveway. But I never charge anybody any money. I just, when I'm done, just give me whatever you want, because I am hungry, I got to eat. I am just giving you a last, in, in closing up, testimony. One day, I left Scarlet Road and Foxwell, and I walked up to Eileen Crescent, and I knocked on the door, and a white woman opened the door. Yes, what can I do for you? I said, ma'am, I'm from Africa, and I just arrived here, and I, I don't have any food at home. Uh, I, can I do anything to help you so that you can give me some money? She said, oh, okay. Do you know how to paint? I said, no, ma'am. Okay, God, goodbye. I don't ask. Ma'am, hold on. <laughs> do you know how to paint? She said, yeah. Well, why don't you teach me to paint? She said, you want me to teach you to paint <coughs> and then pay you? <coughs> See, when you are hungry, you do the unthinkable. <coughs> this woman, okay, she said, okay, go to the backyard. She taught me to paint. <coughs> I painted the fence. I'm glad that is is I didn't know Pastor Fulani then. Because if I knew him and he heard that I paint and he called me to come and paint this place, Pastor, most of the paint was on the grass. <laughs> but the woman was nice. And then we talked. And Mama, you know what this woman did at 12 noon? A man who just came from Africa. She said, it's time for lunch. And I said, oh, glory be to God. <coughs> she took two slices of bread. And she put what I now know to be cheese and bologna in them. And then she cut it in half. So she put half on my plate. And she put half on her plate. And then she put this round thing, which I later know to be chocolate chip cookies. And she's eating. So I said, excuse me, ma'am. Is this for both of us? <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I felt so stupid later on, but, but I was hungry. I forgot I'm in Canada. I was looking for fufu. So she said, uh, it's not enough. I said, no. So she gave me all that thing, but what I'm getting at is that as we were eating, we were talking. And then she asked me what I was doing in Canada. I said, I'm from Africa. And I took my certificate to be evaluated, and they told me that it's a grade nine. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you so much. Everything that I brought to this country amounted to grade nine. 
So I said, but I've got admission at George Brown College. And they said, I'm going to do three years of grading to get my grade 12. And then I can go into marketing later on. She said, oh, that's nice. She said, you know something, young man? I said, yes, ma'am. Your first mistake is you are going to George Brown College. You should go to Humber College. What difference does it make? I'm a foreign student. I finally got something that I can use to renew my visa. And this woman is going to ruin it. She said, I'll give you a note. I have a friend at uh, Humber College on 27 and Rexdale. So that was a Saturday. Monday, I took the paper there. Hmm. Let me say to you, no matter what it is you are asking the Lord for, you'll get your breakthrough. I took the letter to Humber College on Monday. I was to ask for a woman by the name of Doris Talon. This testimony is in that book. When I got there, eventually a lady came out and took the letter from me and went back inside. About 20 minutes or so later on, she called me. Hey, young man, please come in. So I went inside. So have a seat, please. And she said, well, you brought a letter here. I've been reading it. Uh, the, the lady, you say you only have grade 9. Say, yes, ma'am. And you want to do upgrading? Yes, ma'am. But the lady that gave you the letter says that after interviewing you, she believed that with your grade 9, you can go straight into Humber College, that you don't need to do upgrading. So I'm the one now saying, oh, yeah, I do need to do upgrading because <laughs> I don't have the qualification for it. She said, no, she says that you are smart enough to do it. But she put a clause there. She said, however, if you are struggling, she has also given instruction in there that Humber College must give you tutoring for every class. And Humber College will pay for it. Oh. That was the biggest, the very biggest This God is a great God. Ah. Education is good. But when he is ready to promote you, he doesn't always work with your education. So she said, I am the vice president of Humber College, Doris Talon. And because this woman recommends you, even I am going to give you tutoring. You are going to get straight admission to our college and you are going to continue your studies. You know, Psalm 30 verse 5 says, Weeping me and for a night. <laughs> My goodness. Say, don't, don't run around. Stay where you are. The God that you serve, <laughs> He's got your back. Whether you have it or not, when he's ready to promote you. I saw with Baba Deboe, he was saying to me, uh, my friend, you don't know what poverty is. My parents were so poor that when we bought umbrella, we celebrated. I said, Daddy, although you are talking my language, but I'm not far off. Trust me. He said, I can understand then the woman now asked me, she said, how long have you known the lady that sent you? I said, oh, three days ago on Saturday. I didn't even know the name of the lady. <laughs> but you know it's an insult for a young person to be asking another, what's your name? She said, oh, that is uh, Florence Girl. Oh, glory be to God. She said, oh, you know who Florence Girl is? I said, no, ma'am. Would you believe Florence Gale was the chairman of Humber College. Oh. Wow. Wow. A kid, me, who was once sleeping on the streets of a butemeta, not knowing where my meals going. I left home when I was 11 because I rebelled against my parents because they couldn't send me to further school. 
So I decided I'm just going to be a street kid. There's nothing in Nigeria that they didn't do except to steal. In fact, me coming here was a lie. I, in those days, if you want to go abroad, you always go to UK. It's UK, UK, UK. And it's by ship, Elder Dempster. So in order for me, for a girl to speak to me, so I will go to Elder Dempster, collect their uh, pamphlets of going to England, and when women come around, say, hey, listen, I'm traveling. You want to make up, you want to be my girlfriend? Or what? If, you, if you don't make up your mind, I'm going. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> but you know, sometimes, even where we are lying, Holy Spirit says, ah, I approve. That's why we always say, no matter what you do, never curse. Always bless. Always prophesy something good to yourself. Because you never know when the angel will be around. Now, today, not only did I finish, I finished that course, and you know something? I never once asked for tutoring. Now, I didn't pass with honors, but I finished it. And in fact, some of my friends that passed with honors, I got the police job. They didn't. If you can figure out how this God is. Look, make no mistake about it. There is none of you in here today that have seen enough that God will not bless you. He is not blessing you because of what you've done. He's blessing you because of grace. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And give you his mercies. The goodness of God will surround your family. As you step into the new month of November, your miracle will happen. The power of God will protect you and your family. The spirit of God will direct you and your family. The strength of God will sustain you and your family. The almighty God that look at somebody like me, and bless me, he will bless you too. In the mighty name of Jesus. The blessings of God will continue to follow you. No matter where you go, God will not leave you. I will not forsake you. If he can do it for me, my God, he will do it for you too. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, and so shall it be in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening to our sermon here on Christ Chapel TV. Tune in next time for the next sermon. God bless you.